This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. Thank you for joining us. We've got a great show ahead of us today, talking about some really, really relevant issues that are going on in the world. Today, we're going to be talking about terror, conflict, war, and everything else that's happening around the world. We're going to be talking to one of the analysts from the, one of the intel analysts from the counterterrorism group who's going to give us an outlook of terrorism for 2022, what we should be concerned about, what should we be monitoring, what should we be expecting that we have to deal with kind of going forward. As we kick things off right now, it's, it's already been a unique, interesting year. We've seen a number of things happening, not only the Ukraine and Russia situation going on, we've seen an ISIS leader be killed. We've seen a number of uh, situations evolve. And so we just want to know from the counterterrorism group what is going to be happening that we don't get caught off guard in the rest of 2022. We've got Becca Stewart. She's a counterterrorism intel analyst at the counterterrorism group. Becca, welcome to Fed Access. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. Hey, Becca, you know, there's a number of things. I know we're going to cover a lot of topics today. I want to kind of kick into what is the most recent thing and just kind of give a pre-dynamic in which people can understand. And we are taping this a little bit early. So if you hear this on, you know, the day you hear this, the Ukraine situation is very, very fluid. So what you say right now may change. So I want you to kind of speak about what the Ukraine situation is right now. You guys have been monitoring what's going on with Ukraine and Russia. We've heard about the separatist dynamic. We've heard about uh, uh, the, uh, what Russia may do in terms of information operations or cyber operations or do a false flag operation. What are we knowing about the Ukraine and Russia situation right now? And where do you think it may be going? Yeah, so obviously the situation over there is very hostile. They've got a lot of troops on the border. Russia are kind of showing showing Ukraine what they've got, um, I think my perspective and i could be completely wrong it could change next week but i think that this is russia trying to show that they're the big dog that they've got all of this military capability they've got all the troops ready and it seems to me like they're trying to prove that they are kind of the king um to other countries around the world they're trying to intimidate ukraine and I personally don't think that they will actually try to invade because mm-hmm. I think there would be far too much of a backlash from various different countries. So I think this is more similar to like their false flag cyber attacks. I think this is kind of just a show of their guns um, to really prove what they can do if they need to. You know, Beck, I was thinking I was thinking something similar because I was thinking about if if if. You know, Putin decided to put troops into Kiev, right? You've got about 2.4 million people in that city alone. And if that could turn into a insurgency, right, a guerrilla warfare scenario uh-huh. very, very easily, right, where he, I guess he has amassed like 130,000 troops or whatever, or 150,000 troops. But it doesn't sound like the numbers that he has, although a lot, and it does say he's flexing some muscle, but in terms of, of invading a whole city, of that size, it does seem like it's probably not not enough to hold that city long term, especially if the whole population may begin to fighting back. What's your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I don't think that whilst he is trying to show off by sending the troops there, sending all the warfare there, like sending all the equipment down, it's not practical to expect that amount of people and that equipment could hold the place. Fine, they could go in, they could run riot, they could kill people, they could cause a lot of drama, but they wouldn't really be achieving anything by doing that other than angering a lot of people, the people in Ukraine and people in various different countries. Um, and then they would receive a backlash. Then they'd never be able to hold down ownership, power over that area. So I think that that's another good point. It's it's not a practical decision. I know that Putin's not necessarily the most practical person, but I, I don't think I, I know he's made crazy decisions. But I don't think this one is something that he will follow through with. You know, in this framework, in terms of, you know, Putin always tried to make things seem like it's, there's a, a terrorism incident, right? He's always tried mm-hmm. to, you know, whether it be in Chechnya or other areas, he's always like, oh, there's there's terrorists out here, right? There's these mm-hmm. uh, insurgencies out here. There's these people who are hurting, you know, Russian citizens and everything else, right? And he begins to create these scenarios, right, that, um, uh, 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 that really kind of go into a framework of like, I got to protect my people situation. Is this a scenario where, um, as you look at it, uh, is, you know, how people sometimes, and I, I, the reason I'm asking this, because I think sometimes people use the word terrorism the wrong way. Is this one of those situations where we see like Putin or, or certain leaders begin to use the word terrorism the wrong kind of way in order to kind of achieve whatever objective they want to do? Oh, completely, because everyone has a predetermined idea of, oh, if this is terrorism, this is really bad, and this means this, this means that. And by using the term terrorism, it completely triggers this thought in people's mind that it's a completely different situation to what it is, when in reality this situation is Putin trying to get his own way with NATO and try and change the borders. He wants his own way, and he's. it's kind of what they would say when you're younger, how some people just try and take it with force, even though they Mm -hmm. shouldn't. And that seems like he's trying to say, look, if you don't give it to me, I'll do this. It's like it's it's like a threat. I don't think he would follow through on the threat, but he's taking the threat to the point to be like, look, I have this capability. And it's just a matter of time to see whether a NATO like gives him some of what he wants or whether people negotiate with him to try and make him stand down or whether he just gets bored and and gives up and says, look, I, I've had my fun. I've proved to you what I've got. I'm going to go home now. Without question. You know, you just kind of brought up a, a real interesting point. I've always kind of thought about this. How do you at CTG and how do you and your teams kind of dis, kind of distinguish between um, someone? Because you mentioned about how the word terrorism kind of brings up, it, it kind of brings up connotations in our mind, right? The word terrorism kind of like is it's, it's, it's a very, very loaded word, right? And it kind of brings up certain visuals. And everybody kind of, you know, when you hear terrorists, right, you hear, um, you know, you're thinking about ISIS or Al Qaeda, or you're thinking about this super bad guy or whatever, right? And it's oftentimes, you know, whether it be China has used the word terrorist in terms of, you know, certain Uyghurs or whoever, you've had a number of different situations where the word terrorism is used to create this visual, right, of mm-hmm. maybe um, someone who a power is against, right? And it could mm-hmm. be, it could be rightfully so. But it also can be wrongfully so. How do you guys at CTG really kind of discern or, or distinguish between 
when a, a situation is maybe truthfully uh, act of terrorism in terms of uh, someone trying to really harm innocent people versus um, a power who's beginning to use it as a tool in order to suppress either human rights or suppress people who are going against their uh, administration or their authority. So I think when it comes to situations like that, it's really important to not just take someone calling something terrorism as being a fact. You have to find out the information behind the activity and make that determination yourself. And I think it is, it's a really hard thing to do because there's so many different definitions of terrorism. So you have different ter- uh, definitions within countries. You have different definitions between countries. Some countries have very very low bars for something to be considered terrorism all you have to do is disagree with their government and like in Saudi Arabia all you have to do is disagree with the government disagree with the regime that's counted as terrorism whereas then you have like the UN have a definition of terrorism the US government have a definition of terrorism and it's about understanding all these different definitions why they include different things and take looking at the activity for what it is and not what people are calling it. And that way you can determine whether it truly is an act of terrorism, whether it's there instilling, instilling fear, it's for a political aim. And if it's, I think the other thing that's difficult is state-sponsored terrorism. Is that terrorism? Is that an act of war? And I think that debate will go on for a lot longer than I'll be around. I don't <laughs> think that that's ever going to be resolved. <laughs> Hey, hey, that's concerning because you're younger than me, Becca. You're younger than me, and so <laughs> so that means it's going to be around a lot longer than I'm going to be around too. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I agree with you in terms of uh, the framework. In terms of that, is a debate that we've been having for uh, many, many years before us, and it's probably going to be many, many years after us that we'll be also having that debate about you know what is this. Thing. And I think you bring up a, a excellent point because you're right. There is no one framework that everybody agrees about what's mm-hmm. terror, right? Or what is yeah. terrorism, right? Because you ha- even in the U.S., you know, you have federal government, you know, has certain things. And you have state government, maybe city government. Yeah. They may all have their own definitions of what terrorism is. I was looking at some of uh, your reports on CTG about um, even the school shooters, about, mm-hmm. you know, should that be designated as a terrorist, right? And kind of looking yeah. at that. And so you can, you know, you can use the definition based on who is the person who's trying to use it, right? And so yeah. they can create their own laws within their own entities, right? And say, mm-hmm. well, for us, terrorism is this, right? And then in that framework, then you can put, you know, certain things in the box and it could be justifiable so, right? Because a person could, you know, be a mass killer. It could be a number of situations with that kind of going forward. But, you know, I've always been interested in terms of, you know, how, people like you who are analysts looking at this every single day have to go about the dynamic of kind of distinguishing between all these frameworks. And I'm glad that you take things kind of one piece at a time and kind of say, Mm -hmm. let's break this down and let's not just, you know, uh, take the word terrorism or terrorist kind of at face value. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who's saying it? Why are they saying it? What are they doing? What's the person that they're claiming is a terrorist? What are they doing? And everything else kind of going forward. So it's very, very good to know that. Hey, Becca, we're going to take a quick break. And when I want when we come back, I want to get into uh, what's going on with Islamist terrorism in Africa and the other issues that we're going to talk about today. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back talking about the terrorism outlook for 2020. 
2022, excuse me, everybody. I'm, I'm going back. I'm trying to put some years <laughs> into it. I'm trying to take, a t- take the time machine back a little bit. In 2022, what's the terrorism outlook for 2022? We're talking about this with Becca Stewart. She is a counterterrorism intel analyst at the Counterterrorism Group. You can find them at the counterterrorismgroup.com. You can see a number of their reports. They've got some good stuff out there. So take a look at what they're doing and everything else. We'll be right back after this break. You listen to Fair Access on the Federal News Network with Derek T. Dorch. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from the Federal News Network. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the terrorism outlook for 2022. What should we be concerned about? What is going on around the world that is of concern in terms of terrorism, conflict, war, stability or instability, and other issues that are out there right now? We've got some of the experts from the counterterrorism group with us today. Becca Stewart, she's a counterterrorism intelligence analyst. I think she's also the regional team, right? The regional team manager, right? Is that right, Becca? Special team. The special team manager. So she's in charge of the special teams at the counterterrorism group. And so I wanted to kind of make sure that she kind of lets people know that she's running all these teams right there, looking at all these critical issues that are going on today. We're talking about everything that's happening in Ukraine and Russia on the first segment. Now I want to go into what's going on with ISIS. And Becca, in terms of ISIS, right, as we relate to what we just saw, right, we just kind of saw the Biden administration say, listen, we just took um, an ISIS leader off the map, right? Um, What are you guys at CTG, at Counterterrorism Group, what are you monitoring um, about that scenario? Are we concerned that uh, there's going to be a new leader that's going to come up who's going to be worse? Are we concerned that the, um, you know, that, hey, listen, they're going to morph into something else? Or has this leadership decapitation, has it taken them off the map even more? What are you kind of seeing in terms of what, C- what CTG is monitoring? So I think it's definitely a situation to watch. But as we've seen in the past, they're always ready for this to happen. They're always ready with someone else to step up soon. And from the things that we, we've been looking at, it seems that people are calling al Qurayshi almost a shy leader. Um, he he kind of hid away. He didn't really show himself very much. And then ultimately, when the US raided, he um, blew himself up and his family, essentially. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it will be interesting to see who comes up next, whether they are a stronger leader, whether they make more of an impact. Um, but it's definitely a watch this space situation because they're always ready. They're always prepared. And if he, if they are going to deem the previous um, leader as being a shy leader, will the next one be more prominent? Uh, I guess we just have to wait and see. Do you know, you kind of mentioned that they're always prepared. So the, the framework of kind of saying, listen, you know, we're already kind of prepared because we know once we assume leadership, we're probably going to be killed, right? Kind of based off of the framework of what has happened in the past, right? Either the U.S. is going to get us or another country is going to get us or something of that sort. Um, with that being the case, um, do you, in terms of how you look at these terrorist groups, right? You know, do you always uh, have that concern that they may already have put someone in place, but they haven't really mentioned that person in order to kind of keep them a little bit more underground while they're making plans to uh, either start new attacks, um, take new ground, or uh, start doing working on new missions. Are you always concerned about those things? Yeah, of course. I think the the groups are getting smarter and smarter, and 
gone are the days of having this big name that everyone knows about, like back in the time of, of Bin Laden, like everyone knew, everyone knew who Baghdadi was, that the leader we just killed is was fairly unknown compared to compared right. to those. So right. I think he, was, he wasn't as popular. He wasn't as a popular yeah. name as everybody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of catching on to that. So it could be that the new leader is someone like unknown, that the US government, the governments around the world that aren't aware of this person, and they could be keeping them hidden under wraps for a fair bit of time to protect them because they know as soon as you announce the leader that's like putting a target on their head so it could, it could be that we wait a few months before we find out who the new leader is and that it could be someone completely unexpected without question without question as you know as we look at the framework right we still have a big problem in africa um mm -hmm. with islamist terrorism talk to us about what's going on i mean of course there's always been the concerns about what's going on in kenya and somalia and, you know, various other parts of, of Africa, uh, you know, a number of Boko Haram in Nigeria okay. and all the other different areas. Right. Um, Nigeria section, uh, the Niger section and everything else. What are we seeing in Africa right now? Yeah. So I think that sometimes Africa gets a little bit forgotten about because everyone was so focused on Syria, on Afghanistan, that all of this terrorism has been going on in Africa with groups like Boko Haram, Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, like groups like that, the Islamic State West Africa province, there's a lot of groups going on around there and they've kind of slipped under the radar. And now that the troops have withdrawn from Afghanistan and Islamic State don't have their stronghold anymore, it seems that people are finally noticing the situation over there. And you have like France who... Uh, about like going to announce that they're withdrawing all their troops from Mali um, because in relation with the diplomatic crisis between the two countries so it, I really think that it's it's a tense situation there's constant bombings you get especially with like young women they've been utilizing young women young girls they've been kidnapping them and they'll train them to be suicide bombers and send them out into crowds because people expect them to just be a normal young girl. Mm -hmm, uh, so mm -hmm. they've, they've developed good tactics and they've just been kind of getting away with it. Um, so I think that a lot more attention now needs to be shifted towards the situation over there because where people can't travel out to Islamic State, for example, is there the possibility that people are going to go and join from the West are going to go and join these groups in Africa? I don't know. But with their prominence growing offshoots from al-Qaeda, offshoots from Islamic State, I think it's like a, a really dangerous place to be. You know, there, there's been a, a framework where, um, and I'm just going to say that the, the current administration in the U.S. has been very much so kind of refocusing, you know, military assets and maybe even intel and its assets more towards kind of this great power competition, right? Of course, with going on with, with Russia, with the Ukraine situation, with the great power competition with China and everything else. And there's been kind of a pullback on terrorism, right? There's mm -hmm. kind of been a dynamic that we're not going to be as focused on terrorism anymore. Do you think that that is also um, creating a situation in Africa where certain terrorist groups, right, who are beginning to say, well, listen, it's not as much heat uh, mm -hmm. on us in these areas right now, so we can operate a little bit more freely in these areas because we don't have the same... Uh, presence either U.S. or U.S. allies who okay. are now trying to um, 
you know, kind of, you know, uh, support either countries, give them resources, uh, bring military assets on the ground, have drones, this, that, and the other. Do you think that that is creating a, a, a kind of a resurgence of some of these groups within the Africa region? Oh, yeah, potentially. I definitely think that that's like for sure a possibility. I know there was a big disagreement back in, I think it was September last year, where the US, Australia and the UK were talking about what they were going to do about Africa, whether they were going to send in troops, what how they were going to intervene, left France out, who obviously play a big role within Africa. They've got Afri- mm-hmm. like French colonies. And that was sort of... Because like France is all over the place in Africa, yeah, I believe. They're like every, almost, yeah, yeah, without mm-hmm. question. Yeah, and they, they kind of left France out. So there was all this arguing going on, but they were missing the point in that Africa is still this really dangerous place that if if pe- nobody intervenes, then it's just going to turn into a big terrorist hotspot. Like when, so fr- I think France were active there from like 2013 in Mali uh, because there were Islamist extremists who were going to be in control of of the country and mm-hmm. they they intervened prevented that from happening so if they're now saying they're going to leave and you've got other countries like the US who are putting less focus on terrorism putting less funding into it it's kind of leaving it as this big open space where you could end up with several different countries in the region having islamist extremists in power and as soon as, as soon as they they get hold of one or two countries it could just be absolute chaos. Do you think um, in terms of Africa, I know we always monitor various terrorist groups to kind of see if they um, are going to stay regional, right? Because you're focusing on the regional dynamics, but um, is there a concern that these groups will go kind of beyond their region and go from Africa and then um, begin to create a scenario where they can become a threat in either the U.S. or um, in parts of Europe or other areas, either by influencing people, uh, by training people, or other dynamics? Or will this continue just to stay more of a regional threat that's going to stay within those countries? And then if you are maybe a a person who's overseas, you may be in targets, in the target here, right, of uh, Mm -hmm. the terrorist groups, but it may not cross the borders. Which one do you think is a, a concern? Or is it maybe even both? I think in the short term, I can't see there's going to be a rush for them, for extremists from Africa to be coming over to the West purely because mm-hmm. they want to make sure that they have the control in Africa first. But I'm, I absolutely could not write off that they won't expand their horizons because you have militants that are spilling over from Mali into Burkina Faso. They're, they're fighting amongst each other because they want the power and with power, it's just going to come bigger aspirations. So if they're going to gain more power, there's who are we to say that they're not going to try and go beyond that and head towards the West? You've had other examples of people already traveling out from the UK, the US to countries like Somalia to join terrorist groups. So I think that it's definitely a possibility if they're going to expand, they're going to get more power and there's a lot more of a watch on people traveling out to countries like Syria, it could be that they decide, people from the West decide to travel to Africa for training um, instead, because they think it'll be easier to get away with. 
Without question. You know, if you had to kind of say, because, you know, as the world is beginning to open up, people are beginning to travel again. There are some beautiful places in Africa that people should definitely go and see. What would be your area, maybe your top, maybe one or two areas of concern if a person is going to travel to Africa based off of the threat matrix that you see? What would you kind of say, listen, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that location for maybe people to go visit because of the maybe nature of the threat within that country right there? What are your top, maybe one or two? I think from what I've seen recently of where the most like attacks have been, the most explosions, um, not necessarily on Western people, but just on anyone, just in the open, has mm-hmm. been like Burkina Faso, Mali, um, Niger. Those ones, they just keep popping up in the news. They keep popping up um, as having high activity there. So I think those kind of places i would just avoid if if possible without question without question hey becca we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna keep on talking i want to talk about the incel thing because i think uh a lot of people don't really talk about incel a lot but i know when me and you were discussing um kind of like the different topic areas you mentioned this to me i was and it caught my attention about what's going on with the incel movement and everything else so i want to speak about that when we come back after this break we're talking to becca becca stewart and she's a counterterrorism intel analyst and also a manager at the counterterrorism group. And she runs all the regional teams looking at the various threats around the world that are terrorist related and other threats that are out there that may either harm people, um, could possibly kill people, or may cause damage to organizations or people who are out there going forward. We're having an interesting conversation about the terrorism outlook for 2022. And so we're trying to get an understanding about What are the various threats out there that we need to be covering, that we need to be taking a look at and monitoring, that we need to be aware of so we don't get surprised as the year unfolds kind of going forward? We're going to be right back after this break. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on the Federal News Network. Thank you for joining us. If you just joined the show, we have been talking about the terrorism outlook for 2022 trying to figure out what's going on. You know, we always are uh, uh, in a framework that sometimes we, um, I, I, I won't say everybody, but sometimes we get, you know, kind of caught off guard by a certain terrorist attack, right? You know, we kind of see certain things like, wow, you know, that happened, this, that, and the other. We're trying to get a terrorism outlook for 2022. So we won't get caught off guard. We understand what's evolving. We understand what we should be looking for. We understand what we should be monitoring. Of course, we cannot cover everything, but we're trying to get a little bit of an understanding of what's out there that are areas of growing concern. We're talking to Becca Stewart, and she is a counterterrorism intelligence analyst and also one of the managers at the Counterterrorism Group. You can find it at counterterrorismgroup.com. They focus in on a number of different areas. Becca, she's in charge of all of the regional teams, and she's working to monitor things in Africa, the Middle East, and Indo-Pacific region, and all the different regions that are out there kind of going forward to give us a threat understanding of what's happening out there right now. In this whole framework, we want to make sure we understand what is going on in terms of all the different pieces of terrorism. And so, Becca, talk to us about the framework of the incel movement. There's a bunch of stuff that's happening with kind of incels. It's not necessarily a topic you see in the news all the time. Every once in a while, you'll see it pop up. But what is going on with the incels right now? Yeah, so I think incel extremism is definitely something to watch for this year, because like you say, it's kind of been under the radar. You've heard of the occasional attacks, like you had Elliot Rogers' attack back a few years ago, 
and then it came back in the media after the attack in Plymouth in the UK um, last year. And basically, in the incel movement is isolated men who believe that it is their right to have female attention and the because they're being denied of, of that or being denied of female interaction that they think all women's rights should be taken away they have a hatred towards women and they've taken it to the point of acting violently on this behavior um and i think that what is interesting is that after the shooting in plymouth there was questions about whether incel extremism should now be deemed as terrorism. And I know it's triggered a lot of debate as to whether it's just an ideology and whether that counts as terrorism or whether it should be considered as terrorism. But I think it's something that has gone unnoticed because what is being said has it's often allowed to be posted like things online people can say bad things about women in the same way that people can say bad things about men and it's not been picked up on because it's not linked to a terrorist group for example whereas now we're seeing that people are turning to violence because of these beliefs what what can we do about preventing this kind of talk online this kind of radicalization this this way of thinking to try and prevent people from turning to violence in response and Beck, if you can, because I don't know, I don't know if everyone was following what happened in Plymouth. Can you tell people just a very, very high level brief about what happened in Plymouth so people can understand the context of what you are talking about in terms of these attacks kind of going forward? Because I think a lot of people don't like you mentioned, a lot of people, it's not on their radar. Right. It's mm-hmm. very much so like, you know, what are you talking about? Right. Or this is kind of almost seemed like um this is just maybe an isolated thing, right? Okay, he just said something, you know, he tried to attack these women because he hate, you know, whatever, right? And it's like a maybe a one-off situation versus that they don't see that there's an actual movement, right, of mm-hmm. people who are in sales who are talking this way and oftentimes building each other up to do these kind of attacks, right? And so just to give people some context of maybe the seriousness of this scenario. Can you just give people an overview about what happened so they can understand that a little bit better? Yeah, so basically um, last year, I think it was around September time, um, there was a shooting in Plymouth in the UK. There was a man, Jake Davidson, I think he was 22. He killed his mother after an argument and then he left his house and went out and randomly shot seven people, killing five of them, um, including himself. He shot himself afterwards. And he basically, in the lead up to that, had been posting videos online about how he couldn't find a girlfriend, about how, why was he not not allowed to have a girlfriend? Why were women not interested in him? How it was his right to, to have female interest? And you see with a lot of individuals like Jake is that they look back on previous incidents um and i know like you said people may not necessarily be familiar with previous incidents but it goes back to like 2014 elliot roger uh in california he killed six people he was that was an incel attack in 2020 there were i think three attacks around the world um one in germany one in toronto uh, one in glendale um and then two in 2021 so 
they are increasing you're going from like one every few years to one nearly every year to now having three in 2020 and two in 2021 this is clearly something that is spreading and people are idolizing former attackers like Elliot Roger and Jake Davison and thinking actually they're right maybe I do have a right to have female attention and not only do they have anger towards the women they have anger towards men which they refer to as chads the men that get all the female attention they have anger towards those men like why do they get all the attention why am I as they see it a beta male um and they it's 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 a deep-rooted hatred that they communicate with others online that think of the same things in the same way that other terrorists would do. Um, And they just completely get carried away with this idea that it is their right to almost own a woman. They they believe they have a right to to female attention and a right to sexual activity. So they lash out at males females or in the case of jake davison in plymouth just random people because he kind of didn't see the point in living anymore if he couldn't get this girlfriend that he so wanted you know becca as this evolves right and and now how are they are are they communicating over like the reddits are they communicating over various social media channels that they Mm -hmm. have maybe an incel um kind of network that they you know share ideas or share their hate towards women or kind of like, you know, ramp each other up and maybe uh, inspire each other to, you know, because, you know, sometimes you have, um, I know, I've, you know, have monitored your stuff before. And sometimes we speak about some of the neo-Nazi groups and they've been on like the telegrams or, you know, mm-hmm. certain kind of chat rooms and they're like sharing, you know, strategies or like, you know, hey, you know, use this kind of weapon or they're kind of ramping each other up or sharing videos and music or whatever, right? Kind of almost inspiring each other or like, sharing information about previous attackers, like you want to be like this person right here or whatever, right? Are you seeing uh-huh. that with the incels? Are they uh, communicating with each other to really um, uh, almost kind of radicalize each other deeper and then inspire them to do more acts of hatred? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. There's a lot of online communication. You see it on Reddit specifically. Uh, I think it started on 4chan, which I know is isn't around anymore. But that 4chan was removed for having such like extreme content on it. Uh, that's kind of where it started. It transitioned to Reddit, but even even you see a lot of incel content on YouTube. This is where Jake Davison posted his video before he committed his attack, just on YouTube, talking about like ranting about why don't they have this? Why? Are other people getting this and they have they almost have their own language um that they use they talk about the red pill which is like except once you get red pilled that's you being welcomed into the incel world you've you've started to believe that feminism is harmful to men um that's that's and, kind of that matrix talk isn't it uh, becca that's kind of like that stuff from that matrix right because yeah. matrix was like the red pill and the blue uh-huh. pill they're yeah, using exactly. that kind of language to communicate with each other, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you have the red pill. If you've been red pilled, you're saying to everyone else that I believe in this incel ideology. You, you've got videos how to red pill or encouraging people to take the red pill. And then they hate people who are blue pills. If, if you're a blue pill, you took the blue pill, then you don't believe this. You, this 
aka the majority of the world they hate the blue pills um and then you have the black pills who is a lot it's a lot like rarer but black pills are the kind of people who are more likely to go on and act on it if they if if you see someone saying that they've been black pilled they're the ones who have completely hopeless and those people are the most concerning i think they, they that's the, that's the ones you got to watch out for if you, if you ever see someone who's kind of talking that way someone needs to be almost alerted that they may do something mm-hmm. very very soon is that right a hundred percent yeah yeah that's that's the most concerning thing they and i i think this is also something that's really helped them to thrive on the on the internet because they're using all of this terminology that to anyone that doesn't know you wouldn't really like you'd say you'd think about the matrix or you'd have no clue what they're talking about Mm -hmm. and then the way that they talk to talk about people such like as chads and the stacy is the ideal woman that the stacy's all love the chads they'll never be interested in in the incels and they have all these words which ordinary words don't really mean anything but they've given the meaning that contributes to their radicalization on all these chat rooms on their video rants and all you have to do is view the video and they see that as their view being supported so it's a really tough one and i don't really know unlike with other extremism like far right and islamist extremism where social media sites can get involved and they can take down content i don't know how how you're going to really weed out the information that is related to incel extremism and people just having a bad day and moaning about something. And, you know, Becca, to me, this is even more concerning because, you know, in the, in the time where we've been talking about women empowerment, the Me Too movement mm-hmm. and this, that and the other, it almost would seem like those movements or those uh, uh, frameworks of kind of women having more independence, women having, mm-hmm. you know, being empowered more, women not being you know submissive to men right mm-hmm. and all this other kind of stuff that will only be more few to some of these incel extremists it sounds like exactly. that would be just something that would almost like set them off almost would you say that's right exactly and all of the the me too movement and people like women taking a stand feminism it's pushing that sort of stance higher up which in turn is pushing the incel ideology even further away so the gap between them is getting bigger and bigger and bigger because the more power and the more empowerment that women feel, the more angry these men feel and the worse the situation is going to get. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword in that you're trying to help like, empower women and at the same time, it's encouraging the radicalization of these men who have this like, horrific ideology. You know, this is very, very concerning. Becca, we got to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about, we only got a few minutes in the, in the last segment, but I do want to talk about what's going on with the COVID situation right now. Mm-hmm. Things are starting to open back up. Um, we're starting to see the world begin to evolve. There's also talk about a new a new variant, right? We knew that was going to happen. And some of the new variant and everything else. But uh, uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's going on in Canada, other places about, you know, kind of COVID mandates and people, you know, feeling like their freedoms are always being impeded and everything. I just want to talk about that piece on the last segment when we come back. We are talking about the terrorism outlook for 2022. And we're talking to Becca Stewart. She's a counterterrorism intelligence analyst at the Counterterrorism Group. You can find them at counterterrorismgroup.com. 
She is also a manager there controlling all of the regional teams at the counterterrorism group, keeping an eye on all the threats around the world. She's given us a fascinating look at what are some of the things they have been monitoring and that they are concerned about in 2022. We'll be right back after this break. You listen to Fed Access with Derek T. George on the Federal News Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on the Federal News Network. If you just joined us, we've been having a fascinating conversation about what is going on in the world of terror, what's going on in the world of terrorism and conflict um, in, in the chaos around the world, things that we should be concerned about for 2022. Uh, we've had Becca Stewart, who's an intel analyst at the Counterterrorism Group, on here. She's also a manager of the regional teams at the Counterterrorism Group. She's been giving us a fascinating outlook about things that we should be concerned about in terms of terrorism in the year 2022 so that we don't get kind of caught off guard when things kind of pop up. Or we can also keep our eyes open for these threats to maybe prevent them. And that's part of what we want to kind of educate people about today. Hey, Becca, you know, we were kind of talking about at the last segment, I kind of mentioned I want to go into the COVID scenario. Uh, COVID is, 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 well, hopefully people are saying we're getting past COVID um, some of the mandates are coming up. Um, some of the mass mandates are starting to kind of be put aside. But there's also news about some new variants that are coming up right now. What are we seeing in terms of either COVID extremism or uh, people just uh, very much so being kind of tired of COVID and then moving that to a direction that may turn into something that may not be that great? Yeah, so so you're right in saying that people are getting tired, that they're, they're fed up. This has been going on for like two years now of having restrictions on our lives, being told we can't leave the house, we can't do this, we can't do that. You have to wear a mask and everyone's kind of had enough. Like we've gone in and out of lockdowns. Uh, we've been unable to travel. And I think that that's kind of all been brought to the attention of how angry people are with the uh, the freedom uh, blockade in Canada, which then was like duplicated in France. Um, I know they were doing, trying to do a freedom convoy in London. I'm not sure whether that actually occurred, but I know that definitely in France and Netherlands, they had protests that were inspired by those freedom convoy um, situation in Canada. And, and, and I know they've been kind of they've been they've been having conversations about doing that. I don't know if it's going to happen in that. They have been talking about the U.S. doing it as mm-hmm. well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, everyone, it's the same as you see usually with other types of extremism. As soon as one person does something, other people are inspired. They think actually, yeah, no, that's right. Like, I want to do that. And everyone's just kind of standing their ground now and saying, look, we've had enough. Like, stop. Because in Canada, I know that due to these protests, they've now invoked like emergency act where at any time um, they can... Uh, Trudeau said that at any time people can be prevented from leaving their houses again. They can, it can be, they can use the military uh, and they can limit free movement because of all these protests. They've, they've input like huge fines if you're trying to block the roads in Canada to try and prevent it from happening again. I think it was as high as $100,000 um, and up to a year in jail if you're blocking key routes and like bridges and highways. So they're really responding, but I don't think that, I think people have just had enough. They don't really care what what the repercussions will be. They just want to stand their ground and, like they say, fight for freedom because we, we, we kind of can't go on living like this forever. I think it's got to get to a point where we accept that COVID is a thing 
we've got past the worst of it and we're just going to have to live with it because we can't shut off the world, lock everyone away until it's gone because that's just not going to happen. You know, you mentioned something about the framework of kind of like how these movements are almost, um, you know, and, and you mentioned a number of different countries. Becca, are you seeing that people are communicating almost like, you know, whether it be through Facebook, Instagram, or the number of other, you know, WhatsApp or whatever? Are, are people from other countries communicating with each other to either give strategies or tips or say, listen, um, to inspire others to also begin doing these blockades or, you know, take over um, the state capitals? Are you seeing conversations be duplicated, um, you know, almost by country? Kind of going forward, are we uh, now getting into a time period that there is no dynamic of kind of an isolated incident of terror or isolated incident of uh, where people may show violence? It, this now can be very much so taken from one country and then really kind of brought over to another country very quickly. What are we seeing? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of communication online. And when it comes to things like this with COVID, where it's a global issue, it kind of doesn't matter what country you're in um, and, and having different restrictions in different countries almost exacerbates the situation because you'll have someone in one country saying, oh, we're allowed to do this now. And then another person in another country who's still locked away at home then gets really angry and thinks, well, if they can do it, I want to do it. They don't see the the difference between the different countries. They just see it that um, they just see it that COVID is impacting their life and they've had enough of it so I think definitely online people are encouraging after the the freedom convoy in Canada other people are saying like trying to get tips find out what they should do encourage others a lot of these are organized online of just saying I've had enough I'm going to do this then you've got five people that see that they share it five people see each of those you just it builds up and up and up until it becomes a global movement you know, I was reading, Becca, about what was going on in Canada, and I was actually surprised because I guess the Royal Canadian Mounted Police found a number or different police services found a number of people who had some very, very high-powered weapons, um, you know, who were either part of uh, the Freedom Convoy around those areas. And we usually don't hear that kind of stuff in Canada a lot in terms of that's kind of a U.S. thing. We hear about people carrying some, you know, either assault rifles or very, very high-powered weapons. Did this kind of almost kind of um, uh, bring a new light to extremism and what is going on around different countries that we, is? I wouldn't even say that we don't know about, but maybe it's a little bit more underground. Is this, that it, are, are there as a framework in all these countries, there's an element there of this kind of extremist movement? What are we seeing? Um, yeah, I think that with the use of the internet, like it all it all allows people to be radicalized, one, without people around them knowing, two, be radicalized about things that are nothing to do with them. Like they might be radicalized about something that happens in a completely different country. Mm -hmm. And I think that you see, especially with the associations between extremist groups from one country to another, they communicate with each other uh, they link up, they inspire other groups, or maybe people that just aren't even involved with a group, they just consume media online and they start to join the belief. It's it's really created this toxic world of, of not knowing 
what like where is safe and what people are going to get drawn into without a question without a question do you think uh, is there a concern as you guys are monitoring this situation and then we got to we got to wrap it up in a second but i want to ask this last question for you becca is there a concern that there uh may be someone who has begotten to a point where they're so tired of these mandates um of these things where they kind of say my freedom is being taken away that they will begin to move from a dynamic of kind of protesting or blockading to a more of extreme action where they may turn into a scenario of activating themselves and becoming violent. Is that where some of the concern is as well, especially for what your teams are looking at? Yeah, I think, I think that we can't rule it out. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but all it takes is someone to just be pushed over the edge by another new lockdown or a restriction being brought back in and, especially because in some countries they're getting rid of all restrictions. If they were to bring one back in, it might just be that thing to push someone over the edge. Someone that's been sat at home, isolated for a long period of time with nothing but their own thoughts and the internet. I think that I I wouldn't be surprised if something happened. I, I'm hoping it wouldn't. And yeah. I don't think it's certain. I don't think it I don't think it's like a highly likely situation. I think it's it's a possibility. Without question, without question. Becca, thank you so much for providing this insight for what's going on. We definitely got to have you back. You really gave open my eyes and hopefully, hopefully open all of our eyes who are listening about the number of different issues that we need to be concerned about in 2022. We just really appreciate this kind of outlook, a uh, number of different kind of critical things that we need to be paying attention to. Um, 2022 is just getting started. So uh, we got to really kind of keep our eye about what's going on. In order to keep you know ourselves safe, keep our families safe, keep other people safe as well. So, Becca, thank you for what you're doing at CTG, and thank you for being on the show today on Fed Access. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back next week with another new show. Thank you for listening to Fed Access with Derek T. George on the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Tune in Monday afternoons at 1 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. Right now, Amazon is offering some amazing extra perks that come with a job offer. If you start a warehouse job, you can get a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That means you start earning a paycheck right away, plus you get extra cash to use before the holidays. Applying is so easy, you don't even need an interview. It's never been so rewarding to start an hourly job that's close to home. So what are you waiting for? To join the team today, visit Amazon.com slash sign-on bonus. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.